Welcome to the Reaching Forward Podcast. We're in Bible study. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to Romans chapter 3, we're going to deal with going to court. I don't know if you've ever been to court, but maybe we can go tonight together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Ask we ask your blessing on this Bible study. God, let this word speak to our heart and not just our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have the book of Romans and you can turn to chapter 3, we're dealing with being faithful. Full. And in chapter 3, we're going to court. It said that a skunk walked into a courtroom in the middle of a trial. The judge stopped the trial and immediately shouted, Odor in the court! (laughs) Have you ever been to court? I've been to jury duty a couple of times, didn't get selected, and that's okay. But everybody rose and you would stand and then the judge would proceed into his or her uh, place of seating. Uh, the judgment seat, if you please, and then they would sit down, and then everybody could sit down. It was kind of a somber time, but it's very serious. And so, preacher, well, why did you joke? Because you know what? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You've all been through something today. I know that we need a little levity sometimes. But let's look at chapter 3, and let's go to court, and let's look at what God is saying about man's need for a redeemer, our sin before God. So let's jump into chapter 3. What advantage then hath the Jew? And this is kind of an imaginary conversation that Paul is having with a Jewish person. Or what profit is there of the circumcision? Much chiefly every way. Much every way. Chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So it's kind of a question and answer that Paul is playing here. And the Jews might say, well, what's so good about being a Jew then? What profit is there in all the stuff that we do? And Paul said, hey, we got the Ten Commandments. We got the oracles of God, the temple, uh, God leading us out of Egypt. God blessed us in a special way. And then it says in verse 3, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Some people are saying that God didn't, didn't fill his side of the bargain. Have you ever seen that? Boy, when I grew up, I probably blamed God for stuff stuff that said, well, God, you didn't hold your side of the bargain. And that's easy to do when you go through something. Say, God, you failed. Well, the answer in verse 4 says, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, and but every man a liar. I love that. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and might, mightest overcome when thou art judged. God is faithful. Even if we're unfaithful, even if mankind does their own thing, God abideth faithful. The Bible says he can't deny himself. And then there's another argument in verse 5. But if our righteousness commend the unrighteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. Now he's saying, well, the Jews, you know, speaking to the Jews and the argument is, well, Doesn't it make God look good when we're bad? Then he can come forgive us. And then why could he judge us? Because we're making him look so righteous. So he couldn't really judge sin. We're making his mercy look so good. The answer in verse 6, God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God... And then uh, Paul comes to the fact of how gospel preachers are being reported for preaching against... uh, Uh, preaching the gospel, the Jews accuse them of preaching 
uh, sin and lies and we're judging them, Paul kind of gives an interesting argument to the Jews that are persecuting Christians. He said, for the, the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, then why yet am I also judged as a sinner and not rather as some slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. Well, of course, doing evil that good may come, whether the Jews accuse the Christians of being evil, <laughs> they weren't going to just say, well, then God's going to be really merciful to them, right? They were persecuting Christians. And Paul's saying to the Jews, that's not an argument before God either. You can't just sin a lot and just uh, expect God to forgive a lot and be glorified. The Bible says in verse 9, we get to the court, okay? In verse 9, it says, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have proved both Jews and Gentiles, brethren, that's the whole shooting match. That's the whole world. The Jews and the Gentiles are every person on the face of the earth. The Bible says that they are all under sin. All are guilty. That's not really, the first time I came to church, I remember really sensing that and I didn't like it. I didn't like that. And when you hear that, it wasn't something that was comfortable. And I couldn't wait to get out of that church. I even lied to the preacher, and I've talked about it before. But thank God that he brought me to the end of the chapter. Not this chapter, but faith in Jesus Christ before I got out of that church. And I got out of that church a new creation, a new creature. So first we have the charge in verse 9, all are guilty. And then we have the indictment. An indictment is an official written statement charging a person with the crime. So verses 10 to 19, we begin to get this indictment. So in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's no loopholes in getting out of it. Well, I was uh, unfairly treated as a child or, or I did this. None of these things get us out. There is none righteous, no, not one. That doesn't get you righteousness. Verse 11 in the indictment, there's no desire. The Bible said there's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. In verse 12, people are out of the way. They have no profit and there's no consistent doing of good. They're all gone out of the way. They're all, they're, they're together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. I believe my pastor, Pastor Davis, who's since gone on to be with the Lord, said before he became a Christian, he used to cross the street if he saw a church and just kind of pass by on the other side. You know, thank God that God saved him, and I got to hear him preach quite a bit. But there are people, and we know who they are. I mean, they they think, well, if I came to church, lightning would strike, well, or the roof would fall in. Well, they're not living lives that are pleasing to God, are they? Verse 13, there's an inside diagnosis. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. And then in verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You know, people say, excuse my French. Well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, I remember talking to a guy and, and he was cursing the name of Jesus. And, and I grew, I, I was in the Marines. Okay, I, they curse quite a bit in the Marine Corps. It doesn't bother me so much as long as, long as it's not in front of my daughter or something. But, uh, and no, I don't curse. But I'm not afraid of curse words, but the cursing of the name of Christ, uh, it gets me. 
So I was working in a construction company some years ago, and we were working in a bank, and I think I was uh, touching up grout lines and different things, real fun stuff, right? Well, there was a guy in there, and he was cursing the name of Jesus, among other words, but I, I, those are the ones that really got me. And he said it over, and eventually I, I was kind of talking to myself, and I said, if he says it one more time, I'm going to get up and say, and it didn't take long. He said it one more time, and I just got up, and I walked right over to him, and I said something like, hey, you know a friend of mine, <laughs> and he was not happy to see me, let me tell you, and uh, I began to talk to him, and I said, you keep mentioning his name, his name is Jesus, and I, I began to share about how Jesus changed my life, and, and that I really didn't appreciate him speaking about Jesus like that, and then he said, well, uh, I believe this, and I believe that, and, you know, and I said, sir, I know what you believe, <laughs> I've been listening to you. <laughs> and I've been listening to his quote-unquote preaching. But you know that <clears throat> I said, if you, if you keep saying his name, you're going to have to keep dealing with me. And I wasn't threatening or anything, but I, I wasn't just going to let it happen and without saying something. And uh, so I went back and did my grout lines, and boy, there were other people in there too. And it was like we were in church. I don't think anyone said anything. It was different. Why? Well, Look, my mouth used to be full of cursing and bitterness too, but when Jesus changed me, he changed my French, okay? Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. People are swift to hurt others. Verse 16, I read the paper. Destruction and misery are in their ways. They take that character wherever they go. Geog geography won't change your character because wherever you go, there you are. Verse 17, the way of peace they have not known. No Jesus, no peace. N-O Jesus, N-O peace. But K-N-O-W Jesus, to know Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. A preacher named Adrian Rogers was quoted as saying, Peace is not the absence of problems, but the addition of power. You need to deal with those problems. That's, that's what will give you peace. Not getting a piece of the pie. Not uh, getting a piece of gold, but getting the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. There's peace in Christ. It, continuing on the indictment, the Bible says in verse 18, this courtroom scene, if you please, there's no fear of God before their eyes. You ever seen those stickers, the bumper sticker? No fear. And I saw another one that said, fear God. Fear God. If you fear God, you don't have to fear man. So then we have the defense. And really the defense is not very good. Verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. It doesn't even say that there's an answer. You know, when someone says guilty, your honor, but there's no answer of guilt. It's just like that every mouth may be stopped. There's no argument for the defense. And so then the verdict, the Bible says in verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now we're going to talk much more about this law in the book of Romans, but a verdict is a decision made by a jury in a trial. And you know, the Ten Commandments they're not going to get you out of it. No one is kept 
the Ten Commandments, okay? I remember I was in a uh, grocery store in Florida. It's called the Winn-Dixie. And when I uh, was leaving, there was a guy. He kind of smiled and put out his hand. He said, hey, keep the Ten Commandments. And I, and I thought, man, if that was good, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on a cross if the commandments were uh, sufficient for us. But the Bible said, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. It says the same thing in the book of Galatians. And then it says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, but not the uh, power to live above it. The purpose of really of the, sin, the, of the law was to make all the world guilty before God. The law is not evil, but it just set the boundary and we broke it. Okay. So what is the remedy for the guilty verdict? What is the remedy for the guilty verdict. God doesn't want us to just be guilty. I remember being in church and I was a young Marine and I felt so guilty. And it wasn't just feeling. Now, <clears throat> some people are travel agents for guilt trips, okay? I wasn't on a guilt trip. It wasn't just something where someone was making me feel bad or the preacher was making me feel bad. And this guy didn't know me. It was my heart beginning to condemn me because it was true that I was not right with God. I was beginning to see myself. I don't remember a word the preacher said, honestly, until he came to pray with me. I remember that pretty clearly, but I needed a remedy. And I'm thankful God doesn't leave us without hope. And God won't leave you without hope. God never leaves us without hope. I have hope tonight. What is the remedy for the judgment? Verse 21, but now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Not the Ten Commandments. Jesus didn't give me some commandments, okay? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It's interesting. Who met Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was Elijah and Moses. Moses, what did he represent? The law. What did Elijah represent? The prophets. And the Bible said they talked to him about his decease. The Greek word meaning Exodus. He was, they were talking about the crucifixion. The righteousness of God was witnessed in his crucifixion. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's the verdict again, but then in verse 24, right after that we have the remedy, being justified freely, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible doesn't say we're saved by faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, I think it's verse 8, it says, By grace we are saved through faith. By grace we are saved through faith and not of works. It is the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. But the Bible says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption or buying back that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. His redeeming death on the cross was like a coupon. A coupon, if you ever redeemed one, you take it to a retailer, you get a discount, or you get something free. I like the free ones. Then they redeem that, the, the retailer redeems that amount from the company that offered the discount. That's what preachers do. We just offer out coupons, like free stuff. You know, if it's free, why don't you tell people about it? It's not costing you anything. Say, well, preacher, what do you do if someone prays? If they pray and it's in my hearing, I can just take it straight to Jesus. He's the one that offered the discount from the throne room of heaven. And it's interesting, what a coupon it comes from. You used to be able to buy something called a bond, and you still are, but it was like a paper bond in the 1800s. And this coupon 
was something that you could actually cut off a piece of the bond. And after a certain amount of time, it would make uh, interest. And so you could cut it off after a while from the bond that you had and go cash it in from the place that you got the bond for. So coupon is from French to cut off. And, and that's exactly what Jesus, he became our coupon to redeem us back to God. He was cut off from the Lord. He was cut off. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he was cut off for our benefit. He was made sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. Verse 25 and verse 26, this righteousness is declared, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, to bring us near to God through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. And then verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, to make it us justified. That's a legal term, just as if I'd never sinned. Not to make you an ex-con with a criminal record, okay? Uh, but to make you just as if you never sinned. Through the justification of his, through his blood. You know, Jesus is our instead. He died instead of us for our forgiveness. But he lives instead of us. Or he died instead of us, excuse me, for our forgiveness. He lives instead of us for our deliverance. And that blood gives us forgiveness. The blood is first for God. Yes, it's for us. Yes, it's against Satan. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, uh, the Bible said, we'll fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. But the blood is first, I'd say, primarily for God. What do you mean? Well, in the Old Testament, the high priest presented the blood to God on the Day of Atonement. He would go in once, he would sacrifice for his own sins, and then he would take the blood and he would put that blood into the Holy of Holies. Hebrews 9 and 7 said, but into the second or the second veil or the Holy of Holies went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. And then the Bible explains in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, who by Christ's own blood, he entered in, who Jesus, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The blood was for God, from God and for God in the, in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Remember the Old Testament? In the book of Exodus, they were uh, told to put the blood when they were in Egypt on the lintel, which is that top kind of uh, door post, the top uh, piece on the door, and then the side door posts. So those, the uprights and the, uh, the the top of the door frame, if you please. And they were to put the blood of that sacrificial lamb there. And it's interesting. There was no command to put it on the threshold or the bottom. Why? Because you're not supposed to trample or walk upon or disrespect. It would symbolize disrespecting the blood of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. If someone's dying, you don't go stepping around in their blood, right? We honor that blood. And, but the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token, upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You know, the blood was really for 
God. Verse 27, where is boasting then is excluded? By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of what? Faith. Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Here's the legal conclusion. You know, some businesses have this kind of 100% satisfaction guarantee. Have you ever dealt with them? (laughs) Once they have your money, they are 100% satisfied. Well, God is 100% satisfied with the sacrifice of his sinless son, Jesus Christ. Is he the God of the Jews only in verse 29? Is he not also of the Gentiles? The Bible says, in in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Yes, of the Gentiles also. And you know what? I don't have a monopoly on God. No one does. I remember when I was in Bible school, I met this Russian guy on a job site. We got to talking about God and I said, are you a Christian? I remember he said, yes, praise God. He had this great accent. Then he launched into a testimony of how God had saved him. I guess he had prayed and he said, like God, he had gotten sick or, or uh, he had some type of ailment and he prayed and God healed him. And basically he said, God, if you heal me, then I'll serve you. And I guess God did and the guy did. And he even invited me to his church and I'm in Bible school, right? Before I invited him to my church. I don't like it when I get preempted like that, but it happens, right? Yes, real Christians are out there. They're on fire for God. They know this redeeming Jesus, and I thank God for every one of them. Man, preach Christ and him crucified. Let people know that God is real. Verse 30, seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. It's all going to be whether you're Jew or Gentile through faith in Jesus Christ. Do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. The law does right its purpose in condemning. The law is still righteous, but even though we're condemned under the law, our faith comes over and above the law with the establishing of the law. It, uh, uh, the law had its uh, vengeance upon Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus took our sins upon his body on that cross. And we, when God looks at us, he does not see us, but he sees the blood. And the blood gives forgiveness. He sees the blood of his son. And you know what? When you're going to court, you need a a verdict of innocent. You need a a verdict of uh, set free or not guilty. It comes through the blood. We're going to deal also explaining the cross. This is the next few chapters of uh, uh, there's some good stuff in God. We hope to uh, give you another podcast on Thursday to see you Sunday. And God bless you is our prayer. God is still God in 2021.